Last night, we had a members meeting, and uh, I said uh, I would like that. There are things that at the elder meeting and the brothers meeting that are not, I had to say, confidential, that every one of us can can uh, benefit from. So I'd like to focus on the, and I'm not going to go through it all today, but I would like to focus on the book of Colossians, from which the theme verse for the brothers' meeting came, chapter 2, and we'll go through as much as possible and then continue on um, another time to finish it off. So chapter 2 of Colossians, just to bring it into context, I'll read the first eight verses of Colossians chapter 2. I know we had this chapter not long ago, but I just want to fulfill that uh, to convey what was uh, meditated upon at the, at the National Brothers meeting. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words for though I be absent in the flesh yet I am with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, as ye walk, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not of Christ. I've read up to and including verse 8. We have uh, national brothers meetings every, we try to, every two or three years just to reconnect with the brotherhood all over North America as much as possible. And so it was thought that this was a, a very needed topic to discuss and to uh, share amongst us because the, the, the seasons and the times in which we live are not much different than that of 2,000 years ago except for the fact that as Daniel says in his book that chapter 12 I believe it is that knowledge shall increase and people shall go to and fro Communication has increased exponentially over the years. People in Florida or in Saskatchewan or in wherever it be, Australia, are now, could be, listening to what I'm saying with a delay of maybe five seconds. Information travels at lightning speed. That can be good and that can be bad. It can be used for good purposes. 
and it can be used for bad purposes. And so the church in Colossae, Colossae was a region in Turkey um, that had many churches. You go to the, to the, um, the book of Revelation, uh, the, the churches of Asia Minor, there was at least seven in the book of Revelation. Two others or so that were mentioned in the letters. And at that time, as early as it was in the ministry of the apostles, in the preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles, they had established many churches. But they had also, where they had established many churches, guess who comes along? Along comes the devil. You remember we had in Matthew chapter 13, was it the parable of the tares? Anywhere in God's field, it says, in God's field, what God planted, he planted good seed. And up came the barley or whatever the crop was. But then what, it, what else came up with it? The tares, the weeds that look like barley, that look like the good fruit. And wherever God wants to <clears throat> sow good seed, the devil wants to come to destroy it. That's the message of the parable of the tares. And so this is no different to what the Apostle Paul was writing to the Colossians. If you see that, uh, he says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. What does that mean? It's a, it means exactly what we heard this morning in the, ch in the church of Philippi. <clears throat> Paul was writing to the Philippians, but he was in jail. Oh, he was absent from them in the flesh, but he was present in, the, in his mind and in his spirit. He was praying for them. So much so that he said, I would that you knew. I, I, would want, I want you to know that what a great struggle I have for you. He loved the church, the brethren in Colossae. He loved the brethren in Philippi. He loved the church of God where he was the pioneer, if you will, the evangelist that sowed this, the good seed and, and, and people were born into the kingdom of heaven. But as he, as, he, as he writes in this letter, there were dangers, there were perils, there were <clears throat> those that would come that would want to make merchandise of the church, if you will. They wanted to deceive them. He was so concerned that there were those that were trying to delude the, the, the believers at Colossae. And so, I'm going to step right down to verse 6. That was the context. And this is what he was praying that the believers at Colossae would do. Verse 6. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you have received him, Continue to walk in him. So he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to those, when it says he received Christ, he's talking to those that had received the gospel, that had received the good seed, and the good seed was able to, as Matthew 13, the first few verses of the parable of the sower, land in good ground and start growing 
until it brought forth fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Keep going. Don't change your course. Don't change what you've been taught. Don't change what, uh, going in another direction that you have been instructed in the gospel, in the word of God. Then verse 7 says, How? As ye have therefore received Christ, having received Christ, continue walking in him, in which manner? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul wasn't there. If he was there, he wouldn't have told them anything different if he was confronted with false teachers, with those that were trying to teach them something else. And you can read about that, what some of these things were later on in the chapter. Worship angels, stop eating this food, believing all kinds of wisdom, philosophia, the love of wisdom. But he says, being rooted and built up in him. Being rooted, the word there, is the connotation of being planted in him. When, when is someone planted in Christ? When he has been received into their hearts. When they believe unto salvation. When they have repented of their sins. When they have believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. And God says, if you believe and repent, you will receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Repent and believe the gospel and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Peter says to the Jews that had, were maybe present at his crucifixion of Christ. So when someone has received Christ, he has now been a partaker of a divine nature, a, a nature that is, he's infused with by the Holy Spirit. This came to me louder and clearer is why it's so important to be rooted in Christ. You're always connected to Christ. You're always tapped in to Christ. Like Jesus said in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bring forth much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, you'll be cut off. When you don't abide in Christ, we're not connected to Christ, and you don't receive the nutrients, you don't receive the water, you don't receive anything that come from the roots, from the ground, taken up and taken to the branches, that branch is going to be cut off because it's only sapping the rest of the vine. And it won't be able to bear fruit regardless. And so he says, being rooted in him. Now, if we are rooted in him, when we are born again, if, we are, if, if I can use a term, planted in him, that word, by the way, you've heard me say many times, engrafted. Engrafted just means planted. You've heard the term rooted, which is here. He's talking about being rooted or planted into Christ. But it doesn't stay there. What happens when you plant a seed? Yeah, you get seedlings. I think some people here have gone to 
different places with their schools and they planted little saplings here and there to reforest areas that have been devastated. They plant them, they're very tender, they're very weak, yet with watering, yet with support, they can grow. And they can grow to big trees that become unmovable. But in order to do that, their roots got to do what? They got to go deeper. The roots have got to go deeper and wider. As mentioned, some of these trees, the elms and the oak, could have millions of roots, little rootlets, if you will, little feeders, the little, what do you call them, um, capillaries, if you will, millions of roots for the purpose of bringing nutrients to the, to the branches and then the bigger roots give stability to the tree. So it can withstand all the trials it can withstand the storms. It can withstand the winds. It can withstand the floods. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Though you have been planted in Christ, you need to allow those roots to go deeper and wider because you are going to be a tree that's going to have to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. A very... Um, Familiar chapter, we all know it, Psalm 1. Some of you can recite this from memory. But it says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the, sits in the, seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaves shall not wither because he's getting everything from the ground and whatever he doeth shall prosper. These are metaphors that are not only used in the Old Testament but in the New because that's something that we can understand. That's something that we can observe in our own lives. So it says, after being planted at, at, at regeneration, when you're born again, you are to continue to be rooted in a far deeper and broader sense, to become stronger, to be able to bring forth fruit in due season. And then he gives another metaphor. Within three words, he gives two metaphors, the tree and then the building. Rooted and built. And you say, why did he give two metaphors? Well, we can't see the roots. We can see the tree grow. We can see the result of the roots being there. But a, a building is something is above ground. Yet it has a foundation below ground. But he's giving the building um, uh, uh, metaphor to show that not only... Do you need to be on a firm foundation? But you will see that building being built as the building grows. You see that in your neighborhoods, down the highways. Every day you go past and, oh, this thing's come up and, and that thing's come up and this tower's come up and this bridge has come up and so forth. And it's growing and expanding 
in its usability, in its functionality. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. Because the kingdom of God is supposed to grow. It's supposed to expand. And, and, and Jesus gave many examples of that. The woman that hid three measures of meal and it grew. Or the tree that grew and it became a mighty tree and had many branches so the birds of the air could lodge in them. There's functionality. And, and we are not to be satisfied of now only having been born again and now we are in God's kingdom. But there's a purpose for us being in God's kingdom. There's a purpose for it. Now, the devil's going to come. You know, this. we sang the verse 1 of 334. I always thought, why did they put the Satan in there? So I thought, that sounds like some Serbian trying to speak English by putting a definite article in, in front of a proper name. But then I thought, well, no, maybe, maybe that was intentional because what does Satan mean? Adversary. The adversary. The devil is the adversary. He's the enemy. He's the destroyer that wants to come and destroy. And so the devil sends his emissaries, his disciples, in to bring about all these false teachings. And we see that when we become rooted in salvation and we are connected to him, we receive all the nutrients and then we have a purpose in bringing fruit unto him or expanding his kingdom. And the devil is going to come and his emissaries and disciples are going to come to try to destroy us. Since that meeting, since that meeting, you know, I thought there's so many lies out in this world. That was only in October. And you've seen on on. On the internet, some of these artificial intelligence uh, speakers, have you seen that? You see these wise men giving speeches and they're, they're moving like they're really real. And they're giving these uh, uh, very, what seems to be wise uh, advice and counsel. But you can tell they're fake because they're not quite synchronized. The words and the mouth movements aren't quite synchronized. Well, since that meeting, and I question this, I cannot tell anymore how much that's developed, whether that's a real personality or not. I cannot tell. Because there's been advertisements by celebrities that are pro promoting this product, and I'm trying to think, I can't tell. It is so deceitful. And I'm just wondering if in the time of Christ these deceivers would come out and give these false teachings about how to become accepted and approved by God. How much more difficult now is it to be discerning? Because you may get someone that looks like he knows what he's talking about. He's, he's talking all the right things, yet he slips something else in. 
Now, what is the way that we as believers need to be discerning? What is the way? First of all, we've got to be planted and rooted in Christ. But this has not changed in 2,000 years. The word of God is not changed. It's not electrical, it's electronic, it's not digital. You can get it digitally, but you can always go back to the word of God. And 2,000 years of technological progress cannot in any way, or should not in any way, lead us to be deceived by those that are going out there now and posing as apostles of Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 10 and 11, these false apostles, they even appear to be the angels and ministers of light because they have these persuasive words. It seems so good. And I thought I wouldn't hear it, but just the other day, I heard a very so-called orthodox um, a reformed teacher that was very sympathetic to attending his sons or nephews' gay wedding because he had some way of framing it in a way. I said, I'm not hearing this, but I did. And people, brothers and sisters, we have to be very careful. Like I said before many times to other people, all you need today is a good lawyer and a good accountant. You can change things around to make it sound, make sense. It makes sense. And then give in to something that God has stated, not only in the Old Testament, as being an abomination, but in the New Testament, puts down and says, those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We have to be careful that things are moving at lightning speed as fast as the internet can take you. Be careful. My dear friend, my dear young brother and sister and old, it affects old, but especially the young because they have access to these gadgets. The disease is going to come in to make you sympathetic to world views, to world philosophies, to interpretations of the scripture. If it's against the word of God, it is wrong and it is sin. It doesn't matter how persuasive they are. Paul knew the power of persuasion. Paul knew the power of persuasion. You can just, and, and, um, and so the, the, the more I see it, the more I, I just, when I'm going through the, the website or whatever it is that I'm looking for, news or whatever it is, even on the newspapers, of all places, I thought, Jerusalem Post. Jerusalem Post. This is a country based on the law of God. They've got all kinds of things on there, advertisements that, has, that are complete abominations to the word of God. And they'll put them in there because they know you're going to be looking at what's happening in Gaza, what's happening in, in Ukraine, what's happening in whatever 
Be very careful, my, my dear friends and my dear brothers and sisters, be very careful where we go. Because the more you become, the more you surf that, the more you read that, the more you try to go into that, you become desensitized. I've seen this before. Be careful. And that's the message that he gave, beware. I'm not going to go any further than that today. But he's warning the church at Colossae, beware. You've been taught this. You've been given the truth. Watch out for the counterfeit. How do you know the counterfeit? Sister Vicky used to work in a bank. She knows. The counterfeit, you, you know by knowing what the good looks like. Knowing the feel, the touch, the, everything, you know, you know the special markings. You have to know what the truth is if you're going to recognize the counterfeit. And so I leave that with you. The discernment comes in being rooted in the word of God and walking in the way we have been taught, being led by the Holy Spirit to give us interpretation and wisdom which comes from Christ. That's the only wisdom we need. We don't need the wisdom of this world. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. A brother, please find a hymn. This morning we heard about the treasure, so much treasures that we have in the promises of God. Many of us that have accumulated funds for our retirement or for whatever it is, are looking for safe places to invest that so uh, inflation doesn't erode it. And we ask around, we try this, we, try, we, we see experience from others, they put it in, GICs or they put it into stocks or they put it and all of a sudden you realize this man's stocks have been wiped out. What do you do? Long-term investments. You don't know where to go, what to do. If we were to be that conscientious and do our due diligence with our spiritual Eternity, the heaven that we were talking about this morning. God gives us the answer. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest, I was thinking of preaching on the, uh, Matthew chapter 6 this, uh, this afternoon. But my thoughts went to Colossians chapter 2. Because in chapter 6 of Matthew, it says, Lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust don't corrupt. The spoilers want to corrupt. The false teachers want to corrupt. This world wants to defraud you. And God says, come to me. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Where you know they're going to be secure. Where you know you'll get a sure return. No matter whether we live five years or 50 years or 103 years, as one sister is in California. You have a sure investment. 
in God. The, the verse came to me from Second Timothy, I think it is, chapter 1. Paul says, For I know whom I believe in, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. When you commit your life, when you commit your riches, your wealth, your health, everything to God, he's able. And Paul believed that one day God will return what has been invested in his kingdom. I pray this is your prayer too. My dear friend, stop looking anywhere in this world. This world is dead. Why do you seek the living among the dead, Jesus said? Why don't you seek the treasures of God, which are a sure return for your labors, not because you earn salvation. That's a free gift. But when you work in his vineyard, he will return 30, 60 in a hundredfold. That's my prayer to us all. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.